Welcome to the Best Work Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Henley-Smith. The goal of this show is to uncover the working insights of successful software engineers, founders and leaders, so you too can find your best work. Finding our best work is often a hidden journey, uncovered through an ongoing conversation with ourselves and the world around us. Every one of these episodes is packed with timeless ideas you can apply to your own life. In this conversation, I speak to senior engineer, Sasha Rice. We explore finding work as a tangential thinker and his own volatile relationship with work. How would you describe your relationship with work? Volatile, like the most passionate, you know, probably one of the most passionate relationships that I have other than with my wife. Um, because for me, you know, there's all the cliches of wear heart on a sleeve and all of that. It's like, no, for me, I'm, I'm truly all in. No matter what it is, like, you know, I don't go all in on many things. You know, I'm not a, a habitual gambler. Um, but for me, when I do, I really invest myself, my soul. You know, I, I, I actually had to print on my arms the words family and friends to remind me that there are other things other than work. That's how obsessive I was, you know, back in the day. I actually had to have it written on my arms so that whenever I'm typing on my keyboard as a developer, I'm always typing. So I was like, actually, recenter myself. So my relationship with work is volatile, but in the best way, because it's highly collaborative. I, I don't, I never fit in. I, I'm someone who probably is more of an abnormality in the businesses I work in. Um, being an extrovert, not only you know, being the first thing that always tends to make me different, um, you know, in, and, and across the 20 years, you know, it's been 20 plus years now. Um, I started when I was 13, uh, left school at 13 and started my first hosting company with money from my parents. But, you know, that was how I started in IT. I was an agoraphobic, obese, tiny individual um, that couldn't cope in general society. So I got signed off school forever and my parents were happy to support me to become you know, an IT person. So that's kind of what I did from 13. I started a hosting business. And that has stuck with me. So to, to get back to the art, you know, a lot of people would describe me as tangential. And that for me is a pro, not a con. Because I will always, I'm always answering the question you've asked. I just may go to different places to find the right answer or to get to where I've got the answer that makes sense. But I find it very hard in traditional corporates. So in traditional, you know, Pyramid schemes, for want of a better way of describing them, no matter how open or forward thinking or whatever other buzzword that the, the marketing team comes up with, everyone is a pyramid scheme. Every business, you know, I've yet to find one that's truthfully not. And so the, you know, what I ask people is, is this a collaborative team or is there someone at the top whom will give you the order and you must follow it? You know, is it traditional? And you know, I've yet, even in startups, I've yet to find a company that is anything but that. But what I hope to find, particularly through Cord, and I've been lucky to find it to a degree, is that startup mindset where we are all in this together. You are not just prisoner number one, two, three. You're actually a person. You're Ben. I'm Sasha. We're real people. I have real life. You have a real life. You have a family, wife, kids, whatever it may be. But that all shapes you to be who you are. And in order to properly extract the best of you, we need to build those relationships with each other. My backstory of how I ended up in England was, yeah, I was born here, moved to South Africa. We, my parents were very successful. Yeah, I was very lucky. I had a very privileged childhood, yeah, very wealthy, and that was great. 
My parents, we then had an armed robbery. We lost absolutely everything. My parents couldn't function in society after that, you know, because we were all tied up and guns and God knows what. And we moved back to England with a rucksack, basically homeless. You know, we lived in a tent illegally on a campsite where the owners took pity on us, where my parents could go from, they went from being CEOs, you know, selling to Tesco's in the UK to cleaning toilets on a campsite. But they always reminded me, I never saw pity on them when I never saw that there was anything less about them because of that. For me, I saw more of them because of that, because it was a chance I got to spend time with them and see how family mattered more than anything. Didn't matter what you had, what you earned, what you, you know, if you could keep that unit together through all of that. How has your fractious relationship with work caused you problems day to day? Oof, ah. So I find because I'm approachable, um, I tend to be the guy, you know, you remember Shawshank Redemption? There was, you know, there was Morgan Freeman and he was the guy that could get you things. Um, mm. And that tends to be me because I'm so outspoken and, 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 and I, I tend to know everybody. People come to me when they need something that, they, that someone else is telling them no. So I tend to be busy almost all day on other people's helping other people, which I love. Um, but it means that getting my work done is really hard because it's like oh there's just no time i have to wait till like 8 p.m at night to find an hour where i can do my own work but i don't mind that so day to day how would you know when you're doing your best work i get lost in it imagine falling into almost a void but loving every minute of it you know like when people talk about being in the zone or whatever you know for me you know my wife could probably identify it because probably singing to myself probably listening to westlife or some kind of sing-along love a good sing-along um because i i just have to have something going in the background love it yeah and i just get lost and i'll lose track of time you know it'll be 2 a.m and i'll be like oh wow okay but it, at no point does it feel pressured doesn't feel expected you just feel great and mm. you, don't wait, you don't struggle to sleep. You don't struggle to wake up. You know, I, I, I've only ever been a four to five hour sleeper every night for decades. And I wake up. And if I wake up happy after one of those sessions, I go, it's a good one. Yeah, the void was, was good. And, you know, why be fearful of, of traveling into a black hole? How do you optimize for finding your best work now? I've, I've identified that it normally happens at night. Um, it normally happens once you've got through the, the rigmarole, not, even, not in a bad way, but of the daily meetings, the daily, you know, the stuff you need to do, you know, your stand-ups and all of that, I then try and block out um, meetings in the morning, meetings to end the day, focus time in the middle, and that focus time is where I just go through what I've got, you know, the stuff that, I, the stuff that you have to do, the stuff that you, you need to do, and then you, you try and hopefully leave yourself with the stuff you'd like to do. If your day feels like you have no time to be yourself, to remember why you do what you do, you will never deliver your best work. How do you know when you're not doing your best work because of the because of you? Or when you're not doing your current work because the circumstances that you're in aren't giving you the best shot at doing it? How do you know when to decide to move on and put yourself in a different environment? I would say that probably it used to be harder to identify. Now I now that my kids and my and um, everyone's back at school or work, I found it's much easier because I start to become very that the house feels cold. So if I'm buzzing and if I'm enjoying what I'm doing, I wouldn't notice anything around me. You could set up a nuke behind me and I probably wouldn't even realize. But when I'm when I realize that whatever task I'm working on isn't isn't driving me, 
the house will start to feel clinical and I'll drink loads more tea. You know, yeah. you want to give people time to breathe for their best ideas. And, and my best ideas certainly come out of me when either I'm under pressure, but I'm under pressure that I've asked for. That for me is the yeah, prioritization, ordering some structure. And compartmentalization isn't always a bad thing. Just making sure you have your in and your out train. You go, this is what I need to do, have to do, want to do. And then you hopefully get to your final category, which is the stuff I really want to do, which is mm-hmm. the stuff that is hard to realize business value from, but could be valuable. And that's mm-hmm. the kind of stuff where you can't even explain why it could be valuable, but you've just got an inkling. You know, you've got this idea and you're like, I think this could work. And that's when, you know, some of the best companies I've worked at have a day a week where you can do that, where that's literally, or a day a month, where it's, you know, we will not disturb you, annoy you or anything. If everything's running fine, you know, turn your sl- you know, Slack off and stuff, keep your phone on just in case. But other than that, go off and think. And at my current place, we have an hour a day where we can do, we can go for a walk, go for a run, cycle, and think of any problem, you know, and, you know, how we will solve it. Can I take you back to a moment where, perhaps your last moment when you were looking for work? How did you go about figuring out whether that place was going to optimize for your best work? So I, I became very candid, and this was recently actually, so this was only ooh, I don't know, a month ago, two months ago, so I, I'm, I'm starting a new role, uh, thanks to Cord, um, you know, in, uh, in January. Um, but I remember looking at the different companies and you know, you'd go through interviews, and, and I was very lucky, I am very fortunate, you know, I, was, I was able to get through them, but I remember being able to very quickly identify that the people that were interviewing me were, the, were either the polar opposite of me or had become so detached from the process that who I am was largely irrelevant. It became almost a, a test-based thing of, you know, you, you, could, you could excel, you could get 100% of the answers right, but on the day, they don't like the way you talk. So I remember I, after about, yeah, I got to the final stages of a bunch of interviews and it was flattering and they all said the same thing about, yeah, tangential and, you know, um, yeah, we can't see the point. And I, and I said to them all, I said, leave, leave it with me and I will, I will get, yeah, the point will come, you know, and, and anyone who hopefully works with me will tell you the same. They'll go, may seem largely relevant, but there is a pattern and there is a logic to the flow of my, my mind. It's just you've got to be willing to go with it, you know, go along for the crazy ride through the, this land. Um, but I started saying at the beginning of interviews, if after two minutes or five minutes, you know I'm not the kind of personality you're looking for, tell me and let's end there. Yeah. And I, I became very candid with the recruiter. Uh, with the, yeah, Do they ever tell you? Huh? No, but at least we threw it out there. Um, but I always said to them, I said, just be honest. I said, I won't take any offense because just like in real life, when you're picking a partner, you know immediately, you know, within few, even less than five minutes, you know, within 10 seconds, I think it is, you'll know that you will either A, work with this person or B, you won't. But the company I, 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 I came to uh, accept the job with, we aligned on all those levels. We aligned on the honesty level where they were like, oh, thank you. Thanks for letting us know. And, you know, we will let you know if, if it doesn't, you know, if we, if we think it's not going to work. And it didn't feel like I was being examined like a lab rat. You know, I went through some five stage interviews, which were exhausting, you know, seven, 10 hours worth of interviews and multi stages. And that for me was one, it was exhausting. Um, you know, and I can, I'm quite happy to work 20 hours a day and be, you know, that person, but it was just exhausting. And so to, to come to this company where, you know, that I, that I'm uh, going towards in January, it was a couple of hours. It was very personal. You know, we were honest with each other. We, we, 
we went down the tangents. And what I found to be fascinating about the journey is you have your different tiers, if you will, not tiers, but levels where the first one is the, is the, is the, would you be a good fit? And, and I really, I usually get great feedback from that because I'm, I'm really open and honest, but then I meet the engineers who are, who are the opposite, real introverts, you know, not always, but most of the time, real introverts. And they go, oh no, we couldn't work with this guy. We'd be exhausted or he's so all over the place. And I'm like, yep, that's me. Yeah. I, I don't take any feedback as a negative. And one of them said, could you work on the tangential? I went, nope. I went, because for me, it's not a character flaw. It's not that I'm afraid mm. of change. Yeah, I said, yeah, I, I'm a firm believer in that people are adaptable, but people don't change. People, people are who they are, and it's important that they be who they are. When you have a conversation with someone, how do you determine whether you're picking up the culture and the practices of that person? or whether you're pitch, picking up the cultures and the practices of the whole company? This one I found to be harder in some ways, but also easier in others. So because companies are you know, pyramid schemes for, you know, for businesses, almost always pyramid schemes, you're very rarely picking up the culture of the company. You're almost ultimately always picking up the, the, the culture of the line management or the manager. So you know, micromanagement often is not a company culture, it's an individual culture. Tone of voice is so indicative of a type of personality. So people who are quite direct and assertive, they tend to be very heavily, heavy-handed managers. So if it's hard to understand the company culture from the individual that you're talking to, because it's pyramid scheme and everyone's different, how do you understand what it's really like to join that company if you can't get it in that moment? You have to meet as many people as you can and keep an eye on who isn't there or who was there and no longer is. So a company that hides behind the people who aren't there that, that have left is usually a strong indicator that happiness is low. Um, because if you hide behind the fact that people leave your business, it means that you're basically not confident that they wouldn't tell you something that was, you know, that was positive. They would tell you negative things. Um, and I think that's one thing that is, is so common in companies. As they scaled, the, the values and what they believed in got lost along the way. And what data do you use? to help you make these decisions? So many of the people who use Cord are people who make decisions with data. Well, yeah, it is a fair point. So for me, my data points are very personal heavy. So they almost you know, um, solely rely on human contact and interaction. Um, the external data points for me are things like Glassdoor. Um, yeah, I love the idea of Glassdoor. I, I wish it was truly anonymous and truly, you know, truly mm. on it. But again, it's often people review things in fits of passion. Yeah, you can send someone the best products in the world, but if it was two minutes late, they'll give you a one-star review. And it's like, so it's never quite fair, you know, but you do get a good sense of, you know, I, I look at, you know, you could do just your basic Google search and find out about churn. Churn is a solid indicator, you know, a solid indicator of poor culture or poor fit in companies, um, poor hiring practices. Um, but Glassdoor, you often get a real, you know, mixed set of viewpoints. And yeah. So people often go, how do I know who works? It's like, just jump on LinkedIn. You can find the first 150 staff. You can then find out how long they've been there. You can then also find out that they ever worked together before. And then you go, ah, okay, this person hires the people he worked with before. So therefore, this is someone who tends to bring people along with him. And a lot of companies are very much built like that. You know, engineers often very much the case. They are referral based. You know, we're, we're a bit like prostitutes. Uh, you know, we leave our calling card and then our friend hires us for another gig. And so now I try and spend more time. You know, I spend a lot more time researching the company to go, how much of this is just utter BS?
if you could summarize your due diligence process down into practical steps, what would it look like? Uh, well, in terms of finding out about a company before, yeah. uh, practical steps, get to know them. So look at the glass door, get to know them mm-hmm. from, from, the, from, from side A, get to know them from LinkedIn, see what they portray, look at the staff, so look at who works there, identify how they know each other if you can, um, but mm. you can actually build lots of great charts. If you've got Draw.io and various things, you build a great chart showing how everyone knows each other, six degrees of separation, it's fantastic. Um, so I would say, get to know them on both sides, see what they're selling, and then try and work out if it's snake oil. If it's not snake oil, then when you, if you do are lucky enough to get through the interview process, try and get to know, you know don't just be the one um, being asked questions. Ask as many questions as you can and ask, Ask real left field questions, you know, ask, ask things like how many people have left? Because that is a real world question. It is how many people have left and why? You know, if this really is this great utopia, why is everyone running for the doors? You know, mm. are they running or are they drowning? You know, because that again, are these people leaving in, a, in, in, in fireballs or are they leaving because, you know, it's okay for people to leave. I always say this, people leave, that's okay. You know, it's not a bad thing. Never be afraid of people leaving because People's desires change, their needs change. The same way we all buy bigger houses or smaller houses or we move to another country. Just because someone's leaving doesn't mean that they want to burn down your organization or they hate your business. It's, it's, quite, it's most more often than not quite the opposite. So, you know, ask those difficult questions of people. And you can usually tell, you know, again, just by you know, video calls or where it's at. No phone calls. Avoid the phone calls. Have the face-to-face because if you can't have it in person, have it over, the, over a vehicle because when people are lying, most of the time, you can you can spot it straight away, and you can go, "Wow, this person really believes this BS they're telling me. They really think that their company is going to change my life, and I'm going to feel like I've never felt before." And but more often than not, you break through it, and you go, oh, "Okay, this company has a reasonable level of churn. Their staff are generally happy, you know, and yeah, that's not a bad thing. You find that mid ground, you know. It's not the Tesco's finest, but it's not the budget range. You find the mid ground, and you go, "Okay, cool, this tends to work." <laughs> Sasha, you are outrageously incredible. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time out and sharing it. Likewise, with mate. No, I really loved it. The Best Work Podcast is produced by the team at Cord. I'd love your advice on how we can make sure the Best Work Podcast is having a profound impact on the way we all pursue our best work. Email me at bennettcord.co. You can also find a transcript of this conversation, insightful video content and more at core.co slash insights. Thanks for listening.